At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, fine citizens. Terrific Tuesday edition of the Detroit City Cast off of a ridiculously successful and fun NFL Super Wildcard weekend. Six and one for you, peeps, against the spread. Our only loss was that Cowboys game. And boy, the Cowboys, seven of the last 10 years, one and done. Jerry Jones, most outspoken owner, you know, the big fan base. And just kind of ridiculous how the Cowboys, with a lot of talent and, and a quarterback in Dak Prescott, uh, making forty million a year, they just can't win a playoff game. But I'll take the six and one. And we we told you throughout the week and on yesterday's show that Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams uh, would get the playoff win, get Stafford's first playoff win. Arizona obviously helped a little bit in that because they looked awful. And it just goes to you know an, an adage that we've had for a long time, and I talked about it over the weekend especially with Mac Jones. The last six times a rookie quarterback had started in an NFL playoff game, they were 0 for 6. Now it's 0 for 7. But when you bring in first-time starters, you know, obviously Joe Burrow was a winner, even though he wasn't a rookie. Kyler Murray, though, first-time starter in the playoff, another loss. I mean, I looked up uh, some of the numbers on this, and it was it was fascinating. When you go back and you look at some of the, you know, different issues that rookie quarterbacks have had in the playoffs. And you got to go back years to get any kind of good numbers. I mean, you look at this. As I mentioned, 0-6 for the last six. But if you go back to 2012, that's the last time someone had a win. That was Russell Wilson. He was 1-1 in 2012 as a rookie with a 102.4 quarterback rating. Before that, though, RG3, Andrew Luck, both in 2012, and Andy Dalton in 2011, all losses as rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs. Then you go back somehow, some way, Mark Sanchez, getting to the AFC title game with Re- Sexy Rexy Ryan. He, he with the Jets was 2-1 and one as a rookie in 09. Still can't believe that Mark Sanchez for such a long time had more playoff wins than Matthew Stafford did. Stafford, one of the few quarterbacks in NFL history. I think he's the, the third longest as far as how many years into his career he just got over Fran Tarkenton to not win a playoff game. And, you know, Flacco in 08, you know, the great run they had uh, with uh, the Ravens in 08, he was 2-1 and one in, in, in his rookie year of the postseason uh, in 2008. But then before that, Matt Ryan lost in 08. Roethlisberger was 1-1 one one in 2004. And then before that, you got to go back to 1986 with Jim Chrissy Everett. He was 0-1 with the Rams the year before Dieter Brock, if you remember him. He was 1-1 one one with the Rams. That was obviously predating Jim Everett. Bernie Kosar in 85, 0-1 in 
in the playoffs than Marino in 83. So look at that gap from 86 to 04, where you did have even a rookie start a playoff game. And then, of course, Roethlisberger won it. Ryan lost. Flacco and Sanchez won. Dalton, Locke, Griffin, RG3, uh, they lost. And then Russell Wilson in 2012. So it's, it's something that we will continue to talk about when you look at different ways to make smart bets. And taking rookie quarterbacks is not one of them. And, and, you know, when you when you add in the numbers of, as I mentioned, first-time starters that are not that are rookies in the, the playoffs, but not rookies in actuality, Joe Burrow, of course, is the example there. Big win for the Bengals. But last night, Kyler Murray, example there. Huge loss for the Cards. So 6-1 and one as we continue on here uh, in the NFL playoffs. I, wanna, I don't want to lose another game for you. It's the way we want to do it here on the Detroit CityCast with the DT Operation Sasquatch. Uh, we're going to get to the Motown betting window in a second, but I, I also want to talk uh, on this show today about something that I've really been thinking about over the last couple of weeks, but definitely you know, leading into the game last night with Matthew Stafford, the longtime 13-year franchise starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and why his success in Los Angeles should make Lions fans both happy and hopeful. I will explain all of that uh, coming up in just a bit. But let's take a trip to the Motown betting window. And it's brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. We also, in uh, the later stages of the show, we'll get to my Australian Open play of the day. We're going to do this for you each and every day. Off to a, a, not the start that I would have liked. I gave you John Isner. He had a great comeback. He was down two sets to Cressy, the young American. And, and all the things that I talked to you about yesterday on that play, I thought were you know, really got to happen. I mean, Cressy obviously is an up-and-coming American. Isser had nine break points that he squandered. Finally got his way back into the, you know, the, the match and, and went to a fifth set. And, and Cressy was just too much there. But, you know, we got a lot of different, uh, you know, matches to pick over the next couple of weeks. And I I personally, I'm not going to give you six and seven, you know, and five-leg parlays, but I, I have done a six, a five, and a three-leg parlay uh, so far. They all, uh, every leg won so far. So I, I'm kind of dialed in, and I'm, I'm going to give you a smart play each and every day. And I think Isner was the smart play. Ended up going off at minus 106 and almost had that great comeback and, and won the match against Cressy. Um, a, lot of, a lot of value in betting the, the Australian Open, especially on the men's side with no Novak Djokovic uh, and a lot of uh, the top women missing on, on, on their side. Uh, so we'll have some fun with that coming up in just a bit. But let's take a look at what we've got in the Motown betting window. Maryland and Michigan, college basketball, Michigan. Boy, what a rough year. They have had, and they've got to get things going soon if they want to get, you know, into the tournament, yet alone have any chance of winning games in the tournament. And I don't mean the NIT. I mean the NCAA basketball tournament. This is a preseason top five team, and Michigan has just really, really, really struggled. The good news is, is they are playing a really, really bad team tonight in the Maryland Terrapins. They're playing them at Chrysler Center, and Michigan right now at Bet Rivers is minus seven. Maryland one and five in the Big Ten. Not that Michigan's much better. One and three in the Big Ten, uh, but not really good on the road. This could be a get well game, uh, much like the Wings when they were, you know, against Buffalo a couple games ago. And they ended up sweeping Buffalo back to back at the home and home. But this could be a, a really nice kind of get well game for the Wolverines. They're they're pretty much fully healthy, and right now you've got the Wolverines minus seven at Bet Rivers. The money line for the Wolverines minus three fifteen. Maryland plus two forty, and the total. 136 over minus 109, under minus 110. I can't lay any amount of points with Michigan right now because of the trust factor. But I do think if you're you know playing some parlays tonight or some teasers, I would throw Michigan in. I think Michigan's going to win the game, 
but you know, it could be seven. You're giving a full touchdown uh, to a Terrence team, as, as I mentioned, has been pretty awful on the road and awful in the Big Ten. But I think Michigan will get the win tonight. So money line is fine with me. And if you want to tease it down to three or two, I, I think that that's fine. I think Michigan is going to win this game maybe by you know four or five points. But the seven's too many for me with the the non-trust factor with the Wolverines. And then the Pistons back to work. They are at Golden State with Clay Thompson. The Splash Brothers are back. He's finally back and healthy. And, of course, Steph Curry. Warriors, just a small 15.5-point favorite. Minus 112 at Bet Rivers. Pistons, uh, plus 15.5, minus 109. Money line, Golden State, minus 2,500. It's a small play. Uh, or a small amount of money. Uh, Pistons, 12-1 to 1 on the comeback, plus 1,200. And the total, 219 over minus 109. Under minus 112. No opinion on this game whatsoever. I've been telling you about the Pistons for several weeks now. I just don't see any value in taking them. There's too many absences. Jeremy Grant missing. You know, you got the rookie in Cade Cunningham who's played some great basketball but can't carry the team himself. Uh, you know, Isaiah Stewart's been banged up. You've got so many different injuries uh, and, and COVID issues with this team. I would just stay away from betting Pistons games. I'm not laying 15 and a half of the Warriors. I, I don't even like the total in this game. Normally, I would kind of lean one way or the other with these two teams going because like the Pistons could score points if Jeremy Grant was out there. But 219 seems like a pretty darn good line. And 15 and a half seems like a good line. So staying away from that one uh, for me tonight. But that is where we're at with the Pistons and Warriors. That'll be a 10 o'clock tip Eastern time. Now let's take a look at the latest NFL divisional round odds. We've got all four games now. As we talked about it yesterday, the last game we needed to get was the winner of the NFC West battle last night with the Rams and the Cards. Uh, they would play the Bucks, and that line is out, and it came out right away after the game last night. And we've got a trend here in the divisional round. We talked about it yesterday with Bills Chiefs. It's the same thing with Buccaneers and Rams. Now, Matthew Stafford never won a playoff game before. Got that monkey off his back. Buccaneers, defending champions. They're missing a ton of players, including on the offensive line. Uh, guys that are banged up that might not be able to play, so we'll monitor that throughout the week. But this is a Bucks spread that opened 2.5, now up to 3 at Bet Rivers right now, minus 3, minus 105. Rams plus 3, minus 117. The money line for Tampa Bay, minus 150. Rams plus 132. The total, 48.5 over minus 110 and under minus 110 uh, on the total right now. And we have seen a little movement towards Tampa. But like I said with Buffalo yesterday, the same thing with the Rams. The odds makers are basically saying that the Rams are a very slight favorite, very small half point, you know, to one point favor based on the home field advantage point spread that you get with Tampa. They've got a pretty good home field advantage, but not as good as Kansas City, which we'll get to in a second. So basically that's a pick em game because you're getting at least three, if not three and a half points for being the home team, especially in a playoff game. And that's what the spread is. And I, and we're, as we saw all the home teams, except for Dallas, of course, win in the Super Wildcard weekend round, we might see three, we might see four road teams win in the divisional round, which has been a trend since this era of parity going back to 01 with the eight division format, and especially, you know, this year now, and last year with seven, uh, you know, playoff teams and only one team getting the buy in each conference. So that's where we're at with the Bucks and Rams. And I mentioned the Bills and Chiefs, the second game, uh, that's a three o'clock game on Sunday, the, the 6.30 game on Sunday, uh, Bills and Chiefs. That opened two and a half Kansas City. It's down to two right now at Bet Rivers. Action on my Bills, who I gave you as the preseason Super Bowl pick for the Squatch. Chiefs minus two, minus 113. Bills plus two, minus 108. Money line, Kansas City minus 130. Buffalo plus 115. And the total, 55 over minus 108, under minus 113. 
And now you're seeing even more of this. The Bills just getting two, basically giving them maybe up to a two-point favoritism if you look at it in actuality because the Chiefs get at least three and a half, if not four points for being at home. That's one of the great home field advantages in all the NFL. And that, that line is down to two. Could we see it go to one and a half? Could we see it bump back up to two and a half or three? We'll watch that throughout the week with you. There's definitely been some action on the Bills, but on the sharp side, public's kind of still split right now. Uh, but that's that's crazy. You've got two games that basically the odds makers are saying. One, an unproven Matthew Stafford as far as winning multiple playoff games. Another, Josh Allen and the Bills who are, yeah, yet unproven as far as being a championship contender. But I think they have a great chance of winning it all this year. That are favorites on the road when you factor in home field advantage. To me, that's just fascinating. The Saturday games, let's take a look at Bengals-Titans. Of course, the Titans and the Packers, the two teams did play last week. They got the first round buys. Titans, minus three and a half. Uh, against the Bengals right now, Bet Rivers minus one ten on both sides. That line hasn't moved very, at, you know, kind of even betting so far, both public and not, not anything really big on the sharp side. Uh, I know that one of my good sharp handicapping friends really likes the Titans. There are rumors that legendary, uh, you know, uh, sports better Billy Walters is on the Titans. You never really know that kind of stuff, so you don't want to rely on that, that those kind of things. But uh, the Titans minus three and a half right now, and we'll uh, see if that line moves. Obviously, any you know anything down. Tour where it would be three, where you know to buy off the number, or if we see it go towards four or four and a half. Remember, three and seven are the key numbers in in college and pro football. And right now, you got, you got that hook built in. If you're taking the Bengals with the Titans, you probably have to, you know, if you want to be smart about it, I think buy it down to three or even two and a half and spend the extra money. But the money line's not crazy. Titans minus one eighty two right now. Bet Rivers Bengals plus one fifty eight and the total forty seven over minus one thirteen and the under is minus one. Oh, eight. And the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers, this line has had the most movement. It opened Green Bay 5. It is now up to Green Bay minus 6 at Bet Rivers, minus 109. The Niners plus 6, minus 112. Green Bay minus 250 on the money line. The Niners plus 215. And the total, 47.5. The over getting a little play, minus 112. The under, minus 109. And this is, this is a tricky game because Green Bay off the rest, Clearly, to me, a better team than San Francisco. Although, with Jimmy G and the way this Niners team has played in the last few weeks, they really are gaining a ton of momentum. Almost collapsed in the fourth quarter against Dallas, but San Fran outplayed them the majority of that game. They deserved to win that game. But can they go to Frigid Lambeau and replicate that game plan where Jimmy G doesn't make huge mistakes? He almost made the one that cost them the game in that interception in the fourth quarter against Dallas. But Aaron Rodgers and Adams and Jones and Dillon, that Packers offense could run roughshod over the San Fran defense. And if that's the case, and Jimmy G has got to start pressing and they get desperate, that could turn out to be a real bad situation for the Niners. So that line is kind of where I thought it would be at. You're getting some action on the Packers. It could go up to six and a half. I don't think we'll see sevens in this game. Uh, but I know that I'm already starting to think about some teasers with Green Bay uh, as, as one of the legs of that teaser, and obviously some money line parlays with the Packers on the money line. I just think the San Francisco run is going to end here. Green Bay is just the better team in this situation. Uh, but if it, if it gets, if the line gets you know crazy, goes to seven, you can think about maybe taking the Niners. It's a full touchdown. But I think the smarter play is to tease that down with Green Bay and uh, include the money line if you're going to do some parlays with totals and some of the other teams. We'll talk about that uh, as the week goes on as well. That's a trip to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends, at Bet Rivers coming right up. Why Lions fans should be happy for Stafford's success in Los Angeles 
as well as hopeful on the Lions side of things as well. Get to that coming right up here on the terrific Tuesday edition of the Detroit CityCast, brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 270 7117. So, you know, there's all this, you know, hubbubaloo about Matthew Stafford. And, you know, I got into some discussions with people on Twitter last night. You can always follow me and discuss things with me on Twitter at DanLeach971. And, and I, I think it's fascinating. And we know that in this town, you have such incredible Hardy Lions fans. I mean, yeah, there's some you know wackos out there and the Lions free crowd, which I don't believe half of them anyway are Lions free. They follow everything, they listen to the shows, they watch the games, they you know listen to the post games, all that stuff. But there was this underlying tone, and and, and I got to give a, some love to my good friend and longtime coworker Jeff Rieger. They did this thing last night where you know uh, they made a bet him and another host uh, that you know one guy is a big Stafford guy like I am, the other guy Jeff Rieger is very anti-Stafford. And thinks that he stinks and he was a problem in Detroit. And, you know, if Stafford won, uh, Jeff was going to have to do a, a man, I guess it's called a smoker's cough, a, a mayonnaise Gator shot. I mean, I don't drink anymore, thank God. But that sounds disgusting. And he did it and, and he lived up to the bet. But there are a lot of people like Jeff Rieger. And, you know, obviously he's a member of the media, but there's a lot of fans that gave Stafford no credit, the whole Stat Padford crowd. And, and I understand why, because he didn't win a playoff game in Detroit. But you've got to take a step back. Remember we talk a lot about on the show about macro and micro. You know, the macro look at things is from above. The micro look is really kind of getting into the weeds and really getting into specifics and massive analytics and all that kind of stuff. If you take a macro look, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback. He is an edge of elite guy. You know, the 5,000-yard seasons, all the different numbers, all the, the throws he can make that very few of any at times can make in the NFL. He's a really good quarterback. But yes, he didn't win a playoff game. He was an overall number one pick. He did get benched at one point in that Arizona game. Uh, was it seven or so years ago? Fully recovered from that. Played through pain. The Cleveland Browns thing earlier where he was mic'd up in his career. I mean, the guy, it was a, a joy for me to cover him. I remember going back when I was, you know, first kind of getting my, you know, my legs under me and, and getting sober again, um, or sober for this, this time where I've now been almost 11 years sober. I was waiting tables in a restaurant called G. Alexander. Him and Kelly, before they were married, before they had kids, they would come in all the time. I waited on them. Stafford was a great guy. Kelly was great. They just, they loved being in Detroit. Matthew Stafford worked his ass off. He would be there in January in, you know, two feet of snow after the Lions season had end, watching film, working out, doing his stuff, bringing in wide receivers, all the different things you would hope for a leading a leader on a team. It didn't work out as far as success in Detroit, but it wasn't Matthew Stafford's fault. Were there times where it was? Of course. There's times where it's Aaron Rodgers' fault or Brady's fault or Big Ben or Joe Montana. Not every quarterback, no quarterback's perfect. But Stafford, for such a long time, was at such a high level and was the least of the Lions' problems. Maybe there was a handful of times where he was one of the issues in, you know, in a certain game or for a certain two or three game stretch, but 90... 7% of the time or more during his tenure in Detroit of basically 13 years, and he was hurt for you know most of a season, but there for you know the better part of 13 years, 
He was not the issue. And he wasn't even close to one of the top 10 or 15 issues. It was, and some of you will say ownership, and I understand that because the Fords have never won, but it's not like they're not trying to. They would put the wrong people in charge, or they were too, they were loyal to a fault against people with people that should have not been there for as long. But this is the key. They didn't bring in the right people to run the teams, whether it was going back to the Matt Miller days, then obviously Martin Mayhew, then Bob Quinn, and obviously hopefully you know it, it can be a home run now with Brad Holmes, Brad Sherlock Holmes. The, you look at what Stafford has in L.A., obviously a very good defense, weapons on offense, even the reemergence of OBJ and having guys like Cooper Cup and Cam Akers off the injury, having a running game, which Stafford barely had in Detroit. When you give that to him, and yes, he's still made mistakes at times this year, he is capable of winning playoff games and, dare I say it, getting to at least a Super Bowl. I mean, winning it's another story. It's hard for anyone to win one, but he is, he is good enough. And I talk a lot with my producer, Stephen Jung, about, you know, with this Lions rebuild and how he thinks the Bears are ahead of the Lions, even though the, I think the Bears are going backwards, because at least they, they they think they have their quarterback in the future in Justin Fields. We'll see if that's the case. Very unproven to me with Justin Fields, but the Lions don't have that guy yet. Jared Goff, to me, is not that guy. He, he could be around for another year, you know, be the Lions starter. The Lions maybe draft someone the year after. Uh, maybe if they draft someone this year somehow, uh, and he tutors them. But Goff's probably not the answer. That being said, you have to find the right kind of quarterback. And that is Matthew Stafford. And it didn't work out here in Detroit, but there's this crowd that wants to give him zero credit and say that, you know, even if Matt Stafford went to a Super Bowl this year, in his first year not on the Lions, after being here for 13 years, that it would be despite Matthew Stafford. That's just being silly. So this is the whole point of my of my argument today. It's not really an argument, just the, the whole point of what I want to throw out there to you. If you're a true Lions fan, much like what happened with Justin Verlander when he fought his ass off for the Tigers for over a decade and then was able to go to Houston, couldn't win the World Series here. It wasn't his fault. I mean, the Tigers had great teams, even way better than the Lions obviously did. It's just very tough to win a World Series. When he went to Houston, I got extremely emotional when he won that title because, yeah, JB can be kind of a jerk to the media sometimes and could be a prickly guy and the whole Kate Upton thing. But he, as far as a competitor went and working his ass off and giving his blood, sweat, and tears for the Tigers organization, he did it. Every single day. So I was extremely happy for him. If you're a true Lions fan, you should be you should have been happy last night for Matt Stafford finally getting that playoff win. I'm not saying for you to go out there and buy a Rams jersey. I know that some of you on Twitter last night were saying, this is why I'm a Rams fan now. I, I'm not I'm not gonna ever not be a Lions fan. I've lived in eight places around the world throughout my life, and I've I've never changed my fandom. And I'm not gonna judge you if you do. That's not the way that I'm built. I will always be a Lions fan. So when he won that game last night, which I told you he was going to, and I mean, I didn't think Kyle Murray was going to be as bad as he was, but even if Murray was good, I still thought Stafford would have a great game and the Rams would win, and they did. I was extremely happy for him. I tweeted about it. One of my tweets was put in some, in some you know, uh, article on, on, on different websites. You know, just if you want to see it, it's a, I'll just paraphrase it, but it's a Danley Chinese 71. I would say basically, bottom line, you know, when you get rid of all the different noise, you know, this Matthew Stafford, I, I couldn't be happier for him because he fought his ass off for the team that I love for, you know, 13 years or so. And this was his chance to go somewhere else and get the job done that they couldn't get done in Detroit. And it wasn't because of him. It was very, like, very so rarely because of Stafford uh, when he was here in Detroit not being able to win a playoff game. He played br- brilliantly against Dallas. We know that Brandon Pettigrew issue with the flag being picked up. Obviously, the Lions didn't have a great team. The year they played Seattle. Um, but, you know, in the Saints game, Stafford played well. So it's not like Matthew Stafford was the problem. 
But this is also the other side of things. Why, if you're a Lions fan, you should not only feel a true Lions fan, not only feel happy for Stafford having success in LA, but hopeful. Because this is the main crux of something that I've discussed with you on the various platforms and shows that I've done since the Stafford trade. It was, it had to happen. I'm a big Stafford guy, one of the few in the Detroit media that was always behind Matthew Stafford. With many of them, the people were ripping him and not looking at the numbers and, and trying to say that it was all hollow stats when it wasn't. It was time to move on. I was on the night on the Lions flagship, 97 won the ticket, when Stafford was traded. Took so many of your calls, had great discussions with so many of you that made reasonable points about why you liked Stafford and why you understood like I did that it was even being a big Stafford guy. It was time to move on and that he was, you could have success elsewhere and it was time to reinvigorate the Lions. The, the high majority of you felt that way and you still do. Some of you will never give Stafford any credit. Some of you will always say the Lions will suck forever with, you know, not pointing to say, you know, things that are trying to, you know, improve whether it's hiring a Brad Holmes, going outside the organization, not using his cronies inside the organization for years like the Lions have done or, you know, you're not, not hiring search firms and trying to do it the right way that successful NFL teams like the Ravens or the Steelers or the Packers or whoever else do it for years. There's some that will never be able to be bothered to be changed on that. And you're just going to be Lions haters. And I feel bad for you that way because why be a fan of a team if you're always going to hate and say, oh, I, I'm a Lions fan, but they're never going to win. What, what's the point of that? It's all about having hope. So that being said, it was time to move on from Stafford. You get multiple first-round picks. Obviously, Jared Goff is, I like, into a pair of aces. Not that he's like a, a pair of aces as a quarterback, but, you know, he could end up working out. He could end up being a guy that you cut, you trade, tutors a young quarterback, placeholder, during the rebuild, whatever it is, he gives you a lot of options. He's also 26 and was the youngest guy to start in a Super Bowl. Went to a Super Bowl a few years ago. So it's not like Jared Goff is terrible, but I don't think he's the future. That being said, we'll see what happens in 2022. And, and things can change fast with quarterbacks. Maybe he starts looking really good. His numbers in the last eight games of the season after the injury, uh, you know, started really looking up for Jared Goff. And that being said, you had to make that move. And now the Lions have multiple first-round picks. They have a chance to rebuild this team. And while so many times trades like that, like kind of shocking trades, only work out for one side of the ledger, this trade could actually work out for both sides. Where Stafford gets a Super Bowl, gets multiple playoff wins, does a great job in LA. But this kind of sparks the Lions to build the kind of team that Stafford didn't have here with the right guy, hopefully, in Brad Holmes. We'll see if Dan Campbell's the right coach. But that both these teams could end up starting playing each other to get to Super Bowls down the road. I'm not calling for that right now, but that, to me, is something that I think was a very important point out of that game last night, especially here in Detroit, where Stafford was such a beloved player, one of the more beloved players. We know how, how it is in Detroit here, whether you're the goaltender or the, the clo Tigers closer or the Lions starting quarterback where it's such a you know a tough position to be in but he was a beloved athlete here for the heart and soul he gave this town for well over a decade and if he can go and have success and the Lions because of moving on from him get the right pieces in here quarterback defensive edge rushers like Hutchinson or Thibodeau you know, secondary, offensive line, receivers, whatever it is with the first-round picks and the other picks they use, and having leverage to maybe, you know, put trade packages together to get more picks, then that's a great thing. And that even furthers the reason to say, why would you not want Stafford to have success as long as it's not against the Lions? Obviously, if the Rams are playing the Lions like they did earlier this season, of course I want the Lions to win. 
The Lions are in a total rebuild and are a three-win team with a tie this year. They were, gonna, they were going to the playoffs. Why not be happy for Stafford? But the bigger picture is, if you don't want to be one of those kind of, you know, fans that, you know, when a player leaves, you hate them forever or whatever, that's fine. But be happy for the Lions having a chance, because Stafford is no longer here, to build the team the right way that they didn't do when Stafford was here. I look at this as a win-win. I was extremely happy for Stafford last night. He had a solid game, got his first playoff win, but it gave me extreme hope about the Lions moving forward and getting the right people in place, including that future franchise quarterback. And this time, if Brad Holmes is the right guy, which even in a year so far, the signs are starting to say he's got a great chance of being that. Still obviously not a big enough sample size, but if that's the case, you build it the right way around that next franchise quarterback and the Lions could be winning the playoff games in it with Matthew Stafford. The Lions could be going to, dare I say it, a Super Bowl that they had you know, really no chance necessarily to do under Stafford. Well, I'll say this. If the Lions had a defense the year they played the Saints in the playoffs, the Lions could have gone to the Super Bowl. That offense was borderline historic with Calvin and Stafford and you know, Stafford actually having a little bit of a run game. If the Lions had any semblance of a defense... They probably could have gone to the Super Bowl last year. Their defense was terrible. I think it was ranked like 22nd in the NFL. And the offense was, you know, the best in the NFL. So you build it the right way, things could be a lot different here over the next three, four, five years uh, when you when you find that franchise quarterback, which, like I said, I don't think it's Jared Goff. But definitely a chance to find one through the draft over the next couple of years. So that's that's where I'm at with, with Matthew Stafford. I wish him nothing but the best. The Rams definitely have a chance. I'm not saying they're going to. They have a chance to win the Super Bowl. They have a great chance to win this week at Tampa Bay and knock out the defending champs. And, you know, if Stafford gets to a Super Bowl in his first year with the Rams, it's going to upset some Lions fans. But I think a lot of them, like myself, will be very happy and be rooting them on, uh, you know, wearing your Stafford jersey or whatever it is, saying, listen, couldn't get it done here. Happy for him to be able to try to get it done in L.A. But hopefully what that does is lead the Lions to having the kind of team that can get it done that they couldn't do with Matthew Stafford. All right, before we get out of here, it's your Australian Open pick of the day. Uh, I've got a three-team parlay for you. We're going to go back to my man, Riley Opelka, the, the incredibly serving, uh, you know, super tall. I think one of my, you know, becoming one of my more favorite tennis players, uh, American. So he is playing Dominic Keffer, uh, who's ranked below the, you know, top 100. You lay the 278. At Bat Rivers on him, you put him in this three-team parlay. Sebastian Corda, another huge up-and-coming American. He's playing Karenin Mutol, uh, another guy that's lower-ranked. Uh, Sebastian Corda minus 278 as well. And then my man Carlos Alcaraz, the up-and-coming Spaniard. Uh, he's a huge favorite over Lajovic. Uh, he's minus 1,000, but you're throwing him in there just to get some better odds. Those three will pay you plus 103. And I think that all three are going to win relatively easily. So you put the three there, Korda, Opelka, Alcaraz, and you get basically a little better than even money. So 100 will win you 103, 200 will win you 206. And I like that for you. Early rounds, you got to take some favorites, obviously. I mean, I gave you a small a small favorite. Actually, you ended up being minus 106, John, uh, Easter yesterday uh, before the, the match went off because there was some late money on, on Cressy. And obviously, it was a very tough match because it went to five sets. Uh, and you know, both guys were in until the end uh, when, when Cressy ended up getting the better of John Isner. But in the early rounds, you got to look at some of the favorites and do some parlays and put these guys together. And then there's obviously some matches where you're, you're going to take some you know, shots on some underdogs. 
Uh, like, for an example, last night I, I did one of those parlays, a live parlay, uh, and I had Sabalenka, uh, who was down a set and, and was down in some trouble in the second, and she was getting anywhere between plus 240 to 270. She came back and won. you got to look for spots like that if you're betting the Australian Open. I know many of you that do bet the Aussie Open or bet, you know, Grand Slam tennis or tennis in general understand that, but there's some great live action to be able to bet throughout the, you know, the day where the matches are already started. And then, of course, the pre-match bets I'm going to give for you uh, each and every day over the, the fortnight in Australia. It's so great to have Grand Slam tennis back, uh, even with that Novak Djokovic wacky distraction. Uh, but that's the three-team uh, parlay, your Australian Open player uh, play of the day from the Squatch. Opelka, Korda, Alcaraz, and a parlay. Put them all together, and you get a little better than even money coming back. All right, until next time, keep reaching for the stars. Believe in the dream. Dan Leach, the Squatch, on this fine, terrific Tuesday. Out! At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.